Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Privateer Station. And today we bring you day 285 of Russian invasion into Ukraine. With Alexei Rostovich, advisor to the office of the president of Ukraine, and Mark Fagan, Russian opposition politician. Enjoy. Dear friends, glad to see you all on Fagan Live. It is Monday, December 5th. Time is 3 minutes past 10 in Kiev and 3 minutes past 11 p.m. in Moscow. We're doing the usual stream on our channel. It is day 285 with Alexei Rostovich. Glad to see you there. Good evening. Of course, Alexei is without much flower to, uh, light today. Yeah, I'm in noir. He's, uh, yeah, somewhat of a horror movie flick. Sorry about that, but regardless, please continue sharing links to that stream. Click like button and subscribe to Fagin Live, to Alexei Arstovich, and to the Privateer Station if you are listening or watching that in English language and have not done that yet. Alright, let's go over the front, for starters. Do you think you can take a look at the map? I remember the map by heart, so you can talk about it. Well, figure things out. Okay, we're showing Kherson. In Kherson, they continue trying to shell the city. Uh, we continue our planning attacks on their positions and we finally start seeing them retreating. They decided to regroup and uh, the first task that we had, our artillery accomplished, pushed them further away uh, to take better positions for their current situation because they cannot stand where they are being hit daily by our artillery and HIMARS. And Zaporozhye region, just tactical motions, not much yet. Uh, the hottest line, remember, it's the eastern front. It is indeed difficult there, near Bakhmut, from Avdiivka, Marinka, Bakhmut. Solidar. It is difficult, but we are taking certain measures to convert that to a different situation. I cannot go into details, but uh, we are going with our plans. They are trying to get to the roads near Bakhmut and cut both orange roads going uh, from it up top at about two 
o'clock, the two orange uh, lines that go in a V-shape out of Bakhmut. So I don't think they'll be able to cut them, but uh, we'll see. Um, some evil tongues on the Russian side are saying that Ukrainians cut the road. And uh, I've seen in the post somewhere that the train from Kriminaya to Svatova has gone. So what do you mean? Well, that's what they posted. So I suspect with all the summation of these messages, a smart person can deduce certain eventualities. Um, also, there was uh, another big missile strike today. They shot about 70 rockets and uh, over 60 were shot down. So they actually were not too successful. Uh, despite what you see in my background, this is a planned uh, power outage. So I just happen to be in a place where there's no electricity today on the schedule. And otherwise, our electric, electric services and uh, air defense systems are working pretty well, even in those couple places where they managed to hit infrastructural objects. Uh, the damage was very fleeting and uh, for the most part is already repaired. And it seems like somebody started asking questions uh, on the Russian side in Putin's vicinity because, uh, again, they wasted almost half a billion dollars with zero effectivity. And how long can you be dumping that much money, that much uh, resources worth? At the best, you get maybe two, two, three days with problems with electricity in Ukraine in exchange for that. Maybe if you're real lucky, some places will not have light for five days. But they're also approaching a very red line numbers for their missiles. They do need to keep some strategic reserve. And uh, here come the questions. Well, is it worth it to keep Aristovich and Noir in his evening streams? Probably that tactics is not too effective. Maybe it needs to be changed. So if they're at least somewhat reasonable, not in the only framework of their worldview, but reasonable in general, just uh, people who can ask questions and find answers. Because wasting half a billion dollars worth of missiles on very questionable goals, it's almost uh, better to just use that money, money worth, uh, to burn and hit yourself in winter. And the problem is that they cannot also rebuild these resources. They can maybe do 40 missiles per quarter, especially with the current sanctions. So they are losing, they are losing the resources. And by the way, there were severe problems on their air bases in Angelis and Diagileva, where their strategic bombers are based from, the ones that uh, hit Ukraine with these missiles. So some of them decided this was a Ukrainian UAV that hit that ba those bases. Um, we know that it's people smoking in wrong places, right? But uh, some, somebody else also drew a circle and said, you know what, it's pretty close to Kremlin from Kharkov. 
And actually, Kremlin is closer than those air bases that were hit. So, somebody started asking more questions. And uh, by the way, Suravikin is in charge of that aviation wing. Today, politicians on all high levels in Russia were screaming at Suravikin and how come Ukrainian UAV can afford flying so far. And the thing is that why our UAVs, and, or should they be flying into Russia, could be able to fly, is because most of us 300s as 400s uh, on the border with Ukraine, they're not targeting anything aerial. They're targeting our civilian and military infrastructure. And by the way, those bombers that were destroyed, these are the ones that uh, Russia is not making anymore. They're still flying, but that's uh, inheritance of the Soviet Union, but um, they're not making them. They're not capable of making them. So in Engels uh, Air Base, three airplanes destroyed, two completely destroyed. One damaged so much that it's very unlikely they'll restore it. Here's the picture. If you take a closer look, there is a missile under the wing, X-22, uh, with a circle. So you can see that hit happened when they were still working on fitting the planes. And uh, that's why they had a couple of victims. The servicemen died, perished. Uh, pilots probably not. They could have been nearby, but pilots are usually hang out somewhere a little further away during the refitting. But the service personnel that was uh, putting those missiles under the wings, uh, those are the ones who died. And it's a very expensive proposition, just logistically difficult proposition to move these planes to a different base because a lot of special equipment is involved. You need to move people who know how to, who have experience working with that. So that's that was a picture from Jagileva. That's not from Angels. There at least one is damaged, maybe more, we, let's be, some people were posting five or eight, but uh, and as we heard, there was one strike in Jagileva and three in Engels. And that's about a fifth of active bombers that uh, Russian Federation is using against us. And Russia is not making these uh, planes anymore and will not be able to make them given sanctions and all that. Perhaps that's why they were only 70 out of the usual 100 missiles today. So, Okay, we have uh, 289,000 watching us, 67,000 click the like button. We ask those who are joining us to continue sharing links to that stream and their social media and groups. What does Ministry of Defense say? I'm reading how do you call them? Oh, those evil tongues, right. Russian Ministry of Defense. The morning of 5th of December, Kievan regime made several attempts to attack Diagileva and Engels airfields with UAVs. Attempts, right. So they do acknowledge that these UAVs are supposedly Ukrainians. One other evil but very long tongue is writing that the strike on one of the airfields was made by a Russian-made UAV Strij, 
which uh, flew for 600 plus miles over Russian territory. Okay. Military correspondent Potts. Do you know that dude? Yeah, yeah I do. White House also made a statement that uh, this is a pushback against Russian missile attacks on the on Ukraine, uh, these attacks on Russian infrastructure, and America acknowledged that they were aware of uh, that event, and um, they don't have more information to comment, uh, John Kirby. So, see, Americans also acknowledged that uh, they knew and they didn't interfere. As a coordinator, uh, on my side, I would still say that this is not us. This is people smoking in wrong places, right? Oh, yeah, we, we acknowledge that. We're just discussing what other people say, right? Okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's, uh, you know, they, others can imagine all different equipment. And Americans are not really against you hitting anything in Russia, right? No, it appears they're fine, so. They haven't said anything bad, they haven't done anything bad, so. Do you think that in the radius uh, for from for about 700 miles from Ukrainian border, there may be a little more booms and people smoking? Oh, let's quote uh, Mikhail Podolyak. He made a statement today that the Earth is round. If you keep sending missiles onto Ukraine territory, some of them can make a full circle and fall in the areas where they've been launched from. And perhaps this time that what happened. You know, karma and things. Because hitting civilian targets for too long usually ends up with some pretty bad consequences. Like another saying goes, the earth is round but has the shape of a suitcase and sooner or later everybody meets in the corners. Okay, so we can expect that smoking accidents will continue at the radius of 700 kilometers from the border of Ukraine. Well, we don't know about the exact diameter. They may be smoking even further, but yeah, they probably will be. Okay, uh, let's go take a look at Zaporozhye, at Zaporozhye nuclear plant. International Atomic Commission said that uh, there is a chance that uh, Russian troops are going to be withdrawn from the territory of that station. And today Sergei Nikiforov, press secretary of Zelensky, stated that Ukrainian stance on that nuclear plant uh, didn't change. We need to have it back under our control and it needs to be fully demilitarized. And and representatives of Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs said it's a little too early to discuss any agreements around Zaporozhye nuclear power plant. And they're not even talking about giving it to any third party. So apparently it's a little too early. So what is happening there? What's the perspective? Well, everything is pretty funny. Actually, it was Russian media that started that campaign about the gesture, the goodwill gesture around Zaporozhye power plant. We didn't even say anything. 
and now they're pedaling back. Probably they got slapped on the butt from Kremlin saying it's a little too early to talk this. And uh, they're now backpedaling saying, no, 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 it's uh, nothing to discuss there yet. But perhaps they'll send Surovikin out again and he will, in his usual manner, say we need to take hard decisions. But they're generally afraid that everything is there, everything that is located there will be entrapped. It is pretty far away from their line of defense near Melitopol. And it's understandable that after the third, the first 30 miles, the first uh, 30 kilometers that we go in that direction, um, the troops near uh, that power plant will have very little chance of escaping. And if we move for 50 or 60 miles, uh, they're definitely in a deep um, problematic area that uh, they will not be able to leave at all. So, yeah, they might as well. That's, I think, what they're doing. They're trading it or pretending to trade it for something because they know that they have no perspectives to defend it. However, you think, uh, is it still foggy of a perspective or do you think we'll get there pretty soon? My point of view, Mark, is that everything may happen much more suddenly, much more abruptly than most people, most experts expect. We'll see, but uh, yeah, that's just my opinion. There was a mention in the American media, Wall Street Journal wrote that the United States modified HIMARS systems so they would not be able to use them for longest range missiles with the goal of attacking territory of Russian Federation with uh, a reference to American official leaders. Um, I have a question here. Do we have those missiles already to try to shoot them from HIMARS? Then why? Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, if we don't have those missiles, if we weren't given them yet, why do you modify HIMARS systems? That's much cheaper to just not give missiles, right? And if they modified it so that uh, missiles of uh, the small radius would not go over the territory of Russia. Well, there are other ways to smoke, I guess. So you think it's very improbable that information doesn't really match the reality? Well, they could have changed something. They could have reprogrammed some things. Um, basically, limit the GPS targeting on the territory of Russian Federation. Probably. I don't know, but, uh, you know, people will be smoking other things in other places. Okay, in relation to today's uh, obviously rather failed missile strike by the ratio of targets hit, uh, there is a report that a whole missile, unexploded missile, fell on the territory of uh, Moldova. There are even some pictures and any consequences out of that, any commentary? It is not the first time when Moldova gets some of these missiles that are being designated for Ukraine. Well, it's difficult to be a neighbor of uh, fighting countries. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is that if you are a neighbor of such a uh, country, it would be nice to take a more active position, right? So at least one could expect some statement or something from Moldova after that event. But it's up to them. They 
they are to decide what to do with their territory. Normally, when a missile falls on your land, that's one of the signs of military aggression. And the fact that uh, Russian Federation is abusing Moldovan airspace, that's definitely a sign of that. And I think it's the second or third time that uh, they get something falling from Russian Federation on their land. And it would be nice to hear some official voice from there commenting or protesting. Uh, maybe there is such a voice, but I'm yet to hear it. Haven't heard one. Sorry, our connection is a little hanging here. Yeah, um, you're, am I not hanging anymore? Well, we hear your voice. Your picture is somewhat frozen and blurry. I'm sorry, yeah, that's the conditions I'm in. We can do maybe a shorter stream because of these technical issues, but let's see. Today Putin drove Mercedes on the Crimean or Kerch uh, bridge, that's another name for it. He looked pretty happy and he had both wheels, uh, both hands on the wheel. And he was basically checking that automobile communication was reinstated and automobile bridge is ready for use. Was he driving uh, an 18-wheeler Mercedes? No, no, that was a usual sedan. Well, that's not exactly a full story, right? Because a, a sedan is very different from a very loaded sedan or from an 18-wheeler sedan, right? Or a group of several of those 18-wheelers transporting heavy cargo or from a train supporting uh, and carrying a much heavier load. So nobody can tell how effective and how uh, what's the capacity of the bridge right now did they rebuild the whole capability or will it still be limited in terms of cargo and supplies to Kherson and Crimea with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So should we suspect that the damage was a bit more heavier than they painted? So the railroad bridge, according to some analysis that was leaked uh, by Russian railroad experts, it'll take them at least to March to fully repair the capacity. So it would carry the same loads, the same weight. Um, and the more skeptical ones actually said for about a year till September next year. So I think it's a little too early to scream that this bridge is rebuilt at full capacity. It is not. It'll be interesting if it'll be destroyed, repaired, destroyed again. Well, you know, Mark. Antonov Bridge uh, was also another heroic bridge. Uh, it was shot so many times and uh, it was fulfilling its duty by interrupting the supply of Russian Federation. So we'll see if that bridge will join. 
Okay, so it is de December 5th. Uh, there is an oil embargo in action against Russian petroleum products. Uh, there may be some ships still en route, probably uh, expected to arrive till the new year if there are tankers already on the way to the buyer. And along with that, there is a price corridor at $60 set. We discussed that, but since it's been turned on, it is interesting for us to take a look at the perspectives, because people are starting to discuss the ninth package of sanctions soon. There are no perspectives, Mark. Today, the clock started a real countdown. They'll look now how good or bad is the cost of 60, and uh, the common consensus is basically to not disrupt the overall OPEC market and start with 60 in uh, Russian case, because uh, stability is the main mantra with international leaders. So because of that stability, they're keeping it at 60, but in a couple of months, they decided to review that. And they could probably shrink it uh, or lower it down a bit more. And we hear that Russia is natural gas, natural gas. We hear Gazprom, Nord Stream. But uh, to a big degree, Russia is oil. Most of Russian export money are coming from oil. Natural gas is a secondary figure. And also Russia has a fleet of old tankers that were bought quite a while ago, and nobody wants uh, to insure them because of the risk of falling under secondary sanctions. So they do suffer, they do uh, have very big risks related to that. This is basically cutting, similar to cutting the Achilles heel, and uh, Russia will fall in that regard, not in the further remote perspective, but into my, in much shorter ones. I'm thinking by February-March they'll really start feeling it. I think by early spring the last idiot, uh, the last uh, brainwashed person in Russian, in Russian Federation will understand that this war is uh, nowhere near what, what was promised and there is no eventuality where the war is being won by Russia. Okay. Um, we have a little more time. Putin is promising a visit to Donbass. And I think we mentioned that um, a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, his spokesperson, Peskov, was in Lugansk area. So I think he went there to smile around and find where is it worth to even come to, where they can make probably fake trenches or put their security detail in them so the president would look good on their background. First of all, do you think he will for sure decide to go visit Donbass and they, they do need to have something in the background to, to show that it's Donbass, right? Um, one should look at the overall strategic situation, Mark. It is a loss after loss. They continuously failed to kick Ukrainian troops from Lugansk region which uh, reportedly was told Putin was occupied at some point at 100%. So they're failing with that. Bakhmut capture is also a failure. Recapturing uh, or capturing the balance of Donetsk region, that's not, also not a possibility. So one needs to somehow 
bring up the morale of the troops. And he has been also uh, criticized for not even going to the front at all, because the rat under the broom is not exactly a good position for a leader, unlike Zelensky and his stance and his visits to the front line. So, these are these uh, sacral or mythical acts from the leadership usually occur when they need to, when morale is in a really difficult position. Remember we talked about those pants falling? I'm thinking they're really low, so they need to pull something. And that uh, is something, I guess, they're pulling. And we don't know who will come. Is it uh, his double or is it uh, his third double? We don't know. But uh, I know our Ukrainian troops and our Ukrainian intel are giddily awaiting that visit and we'll do our best to try to greet him as well. And by the way, this will add another criminal act to the long list of criminal acts that are already on him. And it's a heavy one. It's illegal crossing of the border of Ukraine. Well, he's not afraid of that. He's not afraid right now, but in the future, Hague Tribunal or in Mariupol or Bucha Court, that visit could play a role because, you know, you never know how the court will go, but uh, things like that, they may actually turn out to have a weight in decision-making. So, another question, I'm not going to ask you about that, about Abdurrahmanov. Uh, that guy actually was a guest on my channel before. There is some information about his murder. That is not yet confirmed. And we will abstain from commentary for the moment. Uh, let's just give it some time to unfold until more details and official confirmations come from it. That Tonsu Abdurrahmanov was murdered. Um, let's leave it till a later stream. What I see here doesn't uh, give me 100% assurity that uh, it was him and that he was murdered. Um, another story. Another Wagner troop was imprisoned and when he was taken he was telling in his interview that he was uh, in prison for stealing a lamb. Um, yeah, mommy said I'm an idiot. Pretty much, yeah, right. Um, so he is now prisoner of war. Okay, here is the news. Uh, and he already asked uh, to not exchange him as Nuzhin, and Bulachev is his last name, and he understands that uh, people like him are forbidden from being getting in, into Ukrainian captivity, and he's facing death penalty for that, so he asked to not give him out, and he says that he's from a small village where there is nothing to do, so going to the army was the only way to make money, and he is uh, asking of Ukrainian authorities to not exchange him. We do not know much. It's obviously just uh, initial media coming through, initial uh, statements coming through. 
There is a video out there showing that he was indeed captured. So do you think that person will not be exchanged and he can stay in Ukraine if he is refusing to go back to Russia? We understand why, right? I think in this case it would be a tragedy to repeat uh, Nuzhin's situation. It would have been a huge mistake from our side. So, so what to do with that Bolshev? Because he's saying, hey, if I'm returned, they'll smash my head to smithereens with a sledgehammer. That is a big problem, and probably we need to start working with international organizations so they would not be blackmailed with Ukrainian prisoners. We would, we would not face a dilemma of uh, having 60 Ukrainian soldiers executed over an exchange. So it would be a different story blackmailing international organization for Russia. So you think, since that story has leaked in the public domain, many things could have happened? I have a question here. Why to shed light, even, even to mention that? I don't know. Yeah, right? Due to unforeseen circumstances, it was leaked. Um, different things happen, you know. Sometimes it happens for a reason, sometimes by accident. Or maybe he's lucky. Uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps he'll go to Sweden to some Red Cross uh, facility there and will sit there for a while. It might be a little calmer and quieter there. But in general, probably you guys can do the back check uh, if he indeed was in prison. What was his uh, punishment for? Well. As far as we know, Russian soldiers are not being executed for getting into captivity. It's only Wagner that is uh, that extreme. So, I think we'll find ways to not give up those who do not want to return. I think it's all solvable. All right, all right. We just got these questions and that's why we're discussing them. People are asking in chat. But his uh, general picture, I'm just looking at that video, he is thin, he is a uh, flimsy, he has very, very weak physique, so, well, yeah, Putin is really getting everybody to the front whom they can. That story, by the way, with uh, packages and cut eyes of animals sent to Ukrainian embassies and other crap that is being sent to them, of all that... Uh, terrorist atrocities. Do you think... Some people are saying that this is Wagner supporters or Wagner uh, logistics that is sending that. Well, it's hard to analyze, Mark. They're just, yeah... It's the war of aliens with barbarians. Do you think this story will have more episodes? Could be continued? You know, Moscow was always uh, known for their terrorist activities. Can they switch to something bigger? To go what? To blow up vehicles near Ukrainian embassies? That cannot be ex excluded, uh, but that would be a more uh, serious terror on the terrorists, on the countries of NATO, on terrorists of NATO countries. Um, they've sent something to Spanish base and to a Spanish company. Um, some of the packages like that. So I have a question to our NATO allies. 
how do they uh, react to events when Putin's government is sending explosives to military facilities or to other uh, locales in the NATO countries? What about that fifth article? So, Moscow knows that, and Moscow is abusing the system. NATO as a political structure has one big flaw. They're only ready to react to a full, open, proven aggression. But for all these accidents, terrorist acts, and uh, people getting poisoned in Britain with uh, military-grade poison, and people uh, already who discovered them, British citizens, also got uh, poisoned, they don't know, NATO doesn't know how to react to that. Although legally, people, citizens of Britain, were murdered on the, or uh, under protection of Britain, were murdered in Britain. And that's what Russia is doing. They're doing the substandard military aggression, and they're doing it under the threshold. And the West has to react somehow to that uh, lower-than-threshold threats, but they don't want to take responsibility for that. And regardless of how ready to pull the trigger are special services and people that part of the population that is eager to push back on these events, politicians are rarely taking it upon themselves to act. And Putin knows that NATO is not going to uh, react in full force to these uh, steps, and it's a good tool for him to use. He loves using that, and he mixes that with uh, all his hybrid wars that he's been pushing around his neighbors. And yeah, that's that's one of his arsenals. It's a sub-threshold attacks. They cannot uh, achieve uh, severe uh, consequences. They cannot uh, reach uh, big questions with that, but they can definitely affect public opinion and, you know, push them to the area of uh, how about we provide some guarantees to Moscow, let's listen to Moscow, what Moscow has to say. Although that story with explosives and body parts of animal, poor animals that were uh, killed, I, I personally would think that's strong enough argument to do something. You think NATO could do something similar? No, not exactly similar, but there is a ton of ways to do to hurt them, right? The unknown plane uh, attacked uh, headquarters of Wagner in Africa. It could be a hundred unknown planes hitting in different uh, in different Russian uh, regime targets. And um, the task is really simple. If you give us a little more weapons, we will resolve it. We will resolve any question. And just give them, give us a little more uh, ammo and a little more armor, and we'll get rid of that. But that's what we're struggling with. That's what we're resolving. And again, it's uh, Western democracies. We know their uh, pros and cons. This is the situation. So we've been live for about 37 minutes. 300,000 plus are watching us. Over 110,000 click the like button. The usual ask, please continue subscribing to our channel, to Fagin Live, to Alexei Arstovich, and to the privateer station if you are listening or watching that in English. And, of course, share links to these streams with your friends or those people who you think need to see them. Um, another thing, President Vladimir Zelensky in his interview to Financial Times, he, I think, was acknowledged as Person of the Year by that publication. He said that before the mass 
attack by Russian Federation into Ukraine, nobody gave exact data to Ukraine leadership. Nobody, uh, direct quote here, nobody gave us exact uh, data as to directions and dates and uh, what will happen. So he is stating that United States never fully informed Ukraine officially about the possibility of uh, and details of Russian invasion. Uh, he means officially, so probably unofficially we know that uh, there were discussions, but there are no official warnings. So does it change? How does it affect the bigger picture? Oh, the bigger picture will have to be, will actually give a lot of uh, fruitful crops to the researchers, even probably dozens, decades uh, later. So here's a question. What does a president should react to? For unofficial statements, unofficial warnings? He gets dozens of them daily. If uh, America and other countries have not officially transferred uh, these warnings to the president, then there is no reason for a president to react to. There is no ground for a president to react to, because if it's unofficial, he can't do much. If it is, Because president's role is to close a trend or to start a trend and make a decision that's uh, based in actual data. So, if we're talking about the reality of a threat, at the beginning of uh, this war, there were a lot of uh, warnings. And by the way, if, uh, if we bring about the most exact warning, that was from our own intel generals. Uh, Budanov uh, gave it back in October, and he drew a very realistic picture that was very ended up being very close to what indeed happened. So, in, instead, our allies at that point, much later, were telling us that let's say goodbye uh, because you probably will not be able to be here three days later. So, without the help of our allies, we would not be able to stand here today, of course. But the whole story is waiting for researchers. It must be difficult for us to give uh, full, proper evaluations of their analytics and uh, conclusions of who acted how. Uh, but uh, the future researchers may find some interesting topics to criticize, especially in the behavior of allies from 24th of February till what? When was the first Rammstein? 15th of May. So that, that goes for three months, three months before that. Who was doing what and who was not doing what? Something like that. Okay, so given your noir picture style, something like that. Although from time to time I can see a glimpse of 70s horrors in that picture. You know, a guy with a big hatchet who will conclude that broadcast and will go take some scalps. Um, anyway, last ask, please continue sending links to that stream in your social media. Mark, what are you talking about? It's uh, not technical. We did the usual 43 minutes. We're good, actually. We're fitting the usual framework. Yeah, we did. We did. So please, everybody, continue clicking the like button and uh, please do subscribe if you have not done that yet. See you tomorrow, right? Yep, see you tomorrow. Everything is good. Everything is according to the plan. And we even have some hopes that there will be light. We'll, we'll await that anxiously. Okay. Then goodbye, everybody. See you tomorrow. 10 p.m. Kiev.
Костя, дорогие зрители.